Sophie's World by Josephine Gardner. The Natural Philosophers. Nothing can come from nothing. When her mother got home from work that afternoon, Sophie was sitting in the glider, pondering the possible connection between the philosophical philosophy course and Hilda Moller Nag, who would not be getting a birthday card from her father. Her mother called from the other end of the garden. Sophie, there's a letter for you. She caught her breath. She had already emptied the mailbox, so the letter had to be from the philosopher. What on earth would she say to her mother? There's no stamp on it. It's probably a love letter. Sophie took the letter. Aren't you going to open it? She had to find an excuse. Have you ever heard of anyone opening a love letter with her mother looking over her shoulder? Let her mother think it was a love letter. Although it was embarrassing enough, it would be even worse if her mother found out that she was doing correspondence course with a complete stranger, a philosopher who was playing hide and seek with her. It was one of the little white envelopes. When Sophie got upstairs to her room, she found three new questions: Is there a basic substance that everything else is made of? Can water turn into wine? How can earth and water produce a live frog? Sophie found the questions pretty stupid, but nevertheless, they kept buzzing around her head all evening. She was still thinking about them at school the next day, examining them one by one. Could there be a basic substance that everything was made of? If there was su- such substance, how could it suddenly turn into a flower or an elephant? The same object applied to the question of whether water could turn into wine. Sophie knew the parable of how Jesus turned into water into wine, but she had never taken it literally. And if Jesus really had turned water into wine, it was because it was a miracle, something that could not be done normally. Sophie knew there were a lot of things that could not be done normally, like all earth growing things. By magic, but even if a cucumber was ninety-five percent water, there must be something else in it as well because a, a cucumber is was a cucumber, not water. And then there was the question of the frog. Her philosophy teacher had done this really weird thing about frogs. Sophie could possibly accept that a frog consisted of earth and water, in which case the earth. Must consist of more than one kind of substance. If the Earth consisted of a lot of different substances, it was obviously possible that Earth and water together could produce a frog. That is, if Earth and the water went via frog spawn and tadpoles. But a frog could not just grow out of a cabbage patch, however much you watered it. When she got home. From school that day, there was a fat envelope waiting for her in the mailbox. Sophie hid it then, just as she'd done for the other days. The Philosopher's Project. Here we are again. We'll go directly to today's lesson without detours around white rabbits and the like. I'll outline very broadly the way people have thought about philosophy from the ancient Greeks right up to our own day, but we'll take things in their correct order. 
Some, since some philosophers lived in a different age, and perhaps in a completely different culture from ours, it is a good idea to try and see what each philosopher's project is. By this, I mean that we must try to grasp precisely what is it that each particular philosopher is especially concerned with finding out. One philosopher might want to know how plants and animals came to being. Another might want to know whether there is God or whether man has an immortal soul. Once we have determined what a particular philosopher's project is, it is easier to follow his line of thought. Since no one philosopher concerns himself with the whole of philosophy, I said his line of thought, referring to the philosopher, because this is also a story of men. Women of the class are subjugated as females and thinking beings, which is sad because a great deal of very important experience was lost as a result. It was not until this century that women really made their mark on the history of philosophy. I do not intend to give you any homework, no difficult math questions or anything like that, and conjugating English verbs is outside my sphere of interest. However, from time to time, I'll give you a short assignment. If you accept these conditions, we'll begin. The natural philosophers. The earliest Greek philosophers were sometimes called natural philosophers, because they were mainly concerned with the natural world and its processes. We have already asked ourselves where everything comes from. Nowadays, a lot of people imagine that at some time something must have come from nothing. This idea was not so widespread among the Greeks. For one reason or another, they assumed that something had always existed. How everything could come from nothing was not, therefore, not the all-important question. On the other hand, the Greeks marveled at how live fish could come from the water, and huge trees and brilliantly flow-colored flowers could come from the dead earth. Not to mention how a baby could be born. The philosophers observed with their open eyes that nature was in a constant state of transformation. But how could such a transformation occur? How could something change from being substance to being a living thing? For example, all the earliest philosophers shared the belief that there had to be a certain basic substance at the root of all change. How they arrived at the, this idea is hard to say. We only know that the nation gradually evolved. That there must be a basic substance that was the hidden cause of all things in nature. There had to be something that all things came from and returned to. For us, the most interesting part is actually not what these solutions, not what these solutions, these earliest philosophers arrived at. But which questions they asked, and what type of answer they were looking for, we are more interested in how they thought than in exactly what they thought. We know that they posed questions relating to the transformations they could observe in the physical world. They were looking for the underlying laws of nature. They wanted to understand what was happening around them without having to turn to the ancient myths. And most important, 
They wanted to understand the actual processes by studying nature itself. This was quite different from explaining thunder and lightning or winter and spring by telling stories about the gods. So philosophy gradually liberated itself from religion. We could say that the natural philosophers took the first step in the direction of scientific reasoning, thereby becoming the precursors of what was to become science. Only fragments have survived of what the natural philosophers said and wrote. What little we know is found in the writings of Aristotle, who lived two centuries later. He refers only to the conclusions the philosophers reached, so we do not know by what path they reached these conclusions. But what we do know enables us to establish that the earliest Greek philosophers' project concerned the question of a basic constitution subset and the changes in nature. Three philosophers from Miletus. The first philosopher we know of is Thales, who came from Miletus, a Greek colony in Asia Minor. He traveled in many countries, including Egypt, where he is said to have calculated the height of a pyramid by measuring its shadow to its precise moment when the length of his own shadow was equal to its height. He is also said to have actually accurately predicted a solar eclipse in the year 585 B.C. Thales thought that the source of all things was water. We do not know exactly what he meant by that. He may have believed that all life originated from water, and that all life returns to water again when it dissolves. During his trips to Egypt, He must have observed how the crops began to grow as soon as the floods in the Nile receded from the land areas in the Nile Delta. Perhaps he also noted that the frogs and worms appeared whenever it had just been raining. It is likely Thales thought about the way water turns to ice or vapor, and then turns back into water again. Thales is also supposed to have that... All things are full of gods. What he meant that we can only have surmise. Perhaps seeing how the black earth was a source of everything from flowers to crops to insects and cockroaches, he imagined that the earth was filled with tiny invisible life germs. One thing is certain, he was not talking about Homer's gods. The next philosopher we hear of is Anaximander who also lived in Malatus at about the same time of Thales. He thought that our world was only one of a myriad of worlds to evolve and dissolve in something he called the boundless. It is not so easy to explain what he meant by the boundless, but it seems clear that he was not thinking of a known substance the way Thales had envisioned Perhaps he meant the substance which the source of all things had to be other than the things created. Because all creating things are limited, that which comes before and after them must be boundless. It is clear that this basic stuff could not come from anything as ordinary as water. The third philosopher from Miletus is Anaximenes. See. 570 through 
526 BC. He thought that the source of all things must be air or vapor. Anaximenes was, of course, familiar with Thales' theory of water. But where does water come from? Anaximenes thought that water was condensed air. We observe that when it rains, water is pressed from the air. When the water is pressed even more, it becomes earth, he thought. He may have seen how earth and sand are pressed out of melting ice. He also seen how fire was rarefied air. According to Anaximenes, air was therefore the origin of earth, water, and fire. It is not a far cry from the water to the fruit of the earth. Perhaps Anaximenes thought that earth, air, and fire were all necessary to the creation of life, but that the source of all things was air or vapor. So, like Thales, he thought that there must be an underlying substance as the source of all natural changes. Mm-hmm.